Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. When we left you on Friday, the breaking news was Kyrie Irving demanding a trade. It took virtually no time in the world of the NBA for that trade to happen. A blockbuster deal sends Kyrie to the Mavericks. Question is, who won the trade? Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Obviously, we know you guys are going to have a ton that you want to get off your chest about Kyrie becoming a Dallas Maverick. We will let you do that. Plus, we've got a lot of Super Bowl content to get into. It is Super Bowl week, but the super newsy item of the weekend was Kyrie headed to Dallas. He is now a member of the Mavericks, and Harry, I don't know, man. Mr. Cleo was in full effect because I was sitting across (laughs) from you Friday and you were like, I don't know, the Mavericks could make sense. And now, bam! Here we are. He is a member of the Mavericks. How did you know? Well, I just look at Luca and what he's been able to do since coming into the National Basketball Association and playing at a very, very high level, right? We look at this team and and Fitz, uh, it was moments where we talked on this show, uh, Fitz and Harry, 12 uh, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time, every single Monday through Friday. Uh, but I literally, we literally brought up how Luca was doing so much, right, and exhausting him, himself every single night, even though he's a young dude. But still, it's very taxing on his body. So at some point, I felt like, you know, Mark Cuban had to get him a Robin. And when I look at Kyrie Irving, I don't even look at Kyrie Irving as a Robin. I look at Kyrie Irving as a, another version of Batman for the Dallas Mavericks, also for Luka Doncic to be able to have somebody to defer to if he's not going to be able to take the shot. Also, we've seen Kyrie Irving play off the ball when James Harden went to Brooklyn. So that's why I thought this was a spot that he can potentially go to. Uh, my number one spot, I thought, though, was the Lakers. And then uh, I'll say my 1A was the Lakers. My 1B was the Dallas Mavericks. And boom, here we are. Mr. Cleo back at it again. Well, Mr. Cleo, you mentioned, you know, Batman and Robin. I'm going to use an 80s wrestling analogy for you. Now, I know in the 80s you weren't watching wrestling, but I'm a middle-aged white dude. I was. All right, so <laughs> let me give you this. The mega powers, you won't remember this, but the mega powers were when Hulk Hogan was as popular as could be, and Randy Macho Man Savage was popular, but he'd been like a bad guy and a good guy and a bad guy, much like Kyrie. People were like split on whether they loved him or hated him. All of a sudden, they came together for one dynamic tag team that could not be beat. So, the real question is, can these, because you know what, it was, it was great for a minute, the mega powers for a second, they were fire, man. You couldn't stop them and then everything imploded. There's a real question here for Dallas. I can't believe I just related actual basketball to 80s wrestling. Of Is this a win for the Mavs? Because they're going to have to find a way to keep Macho Man and Hulk Hogan happy together if they want to have the mega powers. Oh, that's the, that's the, that's the, the stiff question. And for me... Uh, when I look at where this team was last year, right, they were in the Western Conference Finals. Lord and behold, we don't know how they got there, but they were able to get there. <laughs> you, look at, you look at some key pieces that was on their team at the time, and Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, he, they were a part of that. Also, Maxi Kleber, who's hurt right now for the Mavericks, and then Jalen Brunson. So I just mentioned three people who were very, very key. And remember, starting the playoffs last year, Luka was banged up. He was hurt. That's how Jalen Brunson got an opportunity to really flourish in these playoffs because he had to uh, carry a lot of the workload, but also those role players played a vital role into that. Now, you look at the Dallas Mavericks now, Tim Hardaway 
Jr. is there. He was hurt last year, so he wasn't a part of that Western Conference run. Maxi Kleber has a hamstring injury at the moment. He's still trying to come back. So if I'm looking at Luka, I'm looking at Christian Wood and who they traded for this offseason, Kyrie Irving, Maxi Kleber, Reggie Bullock. Um, I think they're bench players. Those guys are going to have to step up tremendously now because I don't know if they're going to be able to stop anybody defensively. They're going to have to try to outscore everyone. But then we just see the Brooklyn Nets try to do that a year ago, and it didn't work out for them, especially when they ran into the Boston Celtics and got swept in round one. Well, you're a thousand percent about right about that with the scoring and with the wall that they hit. It's interesting to me because the Mavs now have the NBA leader in first quarter scoring. That would be one Luka Doncic. And they have the NBA leader in fourth quarter scoring. That would be one Kyrie Irving. In fact, Kyrie on pace to average the fourth most fourth quarter points per game in a single season in the last 25 years. Think about that. Like Kyrie coming up clutch. So there is a conversation because we always talk about the fact that this is going to be judged by playoff basketball, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking about the fact that when you get into these matchups, you've got a guy that that can start incredibly hot like Luka has, but it takes so much out of his tank. Like there's a question of if Kyrie can continue late quarter dominance, can they sort of bring that together? Playing together is going to be part of this issue. And that's something that Kendrick Perkins, ESPN, NBA, analyst talked about with them being the best backcourt in the league on SportsCenter. You know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I mean, we saw what Luka did with Jalen Bronson last year. Obviously, they went to the uh, Western Conference Finals. And Zoo, with the West being wide open, I don't know a better backcourt that could outlast those two in the West right now. Can we talk about the fact that Zubin is now Zoo? Like he got a, he got a perk nickname, <laughs> Zoo. Like I have a perk nickname. Like, this problem when your name is Fitz, everybody just calls you Fitz. Like I, like Zoo. Zoo's a badass nickname. But uh, are you buying the the potential for them to be the best backcourt in the NBA? Well, you look at two guys that can get a bucket at any given time, right? It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I just seen Kyrie Irving against two or three guys the other night, uh, Boston Celtics-wise, get buckets left and right. We know Luka, what he's able to do with his back to the basket, if he's in a triple threat position. And those of you who don't know what a triple threat position is, that's pass, dribble, or shoot. You can do all three of those things uh, in a triple threat position. I, I just I, I love what it poses towards the end of games. Right. When you're not just counting on Luca to get, get everything done. Now you have a guy in Kyrie Irving that can get it done. The problem lies is that are these guys going to be able to defend? Because if you play another offensive juggernaut that can put the ball in the basket, too, and they can defend, can you be able to score enough? and be, you know, stellar field goal percentage-wise to be able to overcome them and beat them. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, breaking down the big news over the weekend that Kyrie Irving is now a member of the Dallas Mavericks. And, HD, I keep thinking about our biggest – because, look, this this news broke when we were in the middle of the show, the, the request for a trade on Friday. Uh, our initial thought uh, – I mean, a minute after the trade happened, our initial thought was, why would anybody take a risk – on acquiring Kyrie, knowing that... Now, above and beyond, let's just for a second parse out everything about Kyrie, the individual that's been polarizing. Throw that mm-hmm. off to the side. I'm just talking about Kyrie, the guy that comes in one day and says, I don't want to play for your team. And I think it's interesting. Bobby Marks is going to join us later in the show, but he made it clear Irving is eligible to sign a two-year, $83 million extension with the Mavericks, assuming assuming his trade bonus isn't changed. If he doesn't sign an extension, extension the Mavericks could incur his bird rights 
can still sign him to a five-season contract this offseason. So they'll have some decisions to make right away. It's hard for me to figure out why the Mavs would go all in for right now if they don't have some assurance that they're going to be able to keep him around. Otherwise, is it worth renting a player when you've given up important core pieces of your team and you've given up draft equity for somebody that may only stick around for six months? I think one of the main things that Mark Cuban and and Jason Kidd want to see how is Luka going to be able to perform with another superstar beside him, right? Because we love Jalen Bronson, but Jalen Bronson isn't no superstar. Fair. Now you have another one in Dallas with Luka and Kyrie Irving. I want to see how those guys are going to, be, going to be able to pair up with one another. Now, here's the luxury that the Dallas Mavericks do have, right? If they don't sign Kyrie Irving to an extension. And it's also, I think it's great news that you can sign him to a two-year deal versus that five- or four-year deal, which is a longer period of time, in which we don't know what we could potentially get from Kyrie Irving. But if they do not bring him back to Dallas, right, it opens up and frees up more, uh, frees up more money for them to bring in another superstar or, some, or another star player for Luka, potentially in the future. So I think Mark Cuban is looking at it from those different angles. But I think the main one, I want to see how Luka is going to be able to perform and get along and share the basketball with Kyrie Irving, another superstar player. For all of the conversation about Kyrie, let's remember, while he was with the Nets, he played a total of 55% of the possible games, 157 out of 287. Now, there were a lot of reasons behind that, obviously, during COVID. We all know that. That's been covered. The question is, can they keep him on the court? And when they do keep him on the court, can he gel with Luca? Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com careers and apply online today. Now, we know that obviously today, right now, immediately, we're going to start analyzing every single thing about the Mavericks and whether or not Luka and Kyrie can play together. What they can do as an organization to try and bring sort of peace and comfort to Kyrie in a way that other organizations haven't. We will cover that all throughout the course of the rest of the NBA season. But there is an urgency now for the Nets with one Kevin Durant. What does all of this mean for KD and what could be next for him and his career with the Nets? We'll break it down for you. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Woj reporting the Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. They still hope they can win, but the reality is you can't replace Kyrie Irving. The Mavs have put themselves in a position to be the front runner in the Western Conference. The drama has become too overwhelming. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. We're really just on Kevin Durant watch now, right? Does Kevin Durant still want to stick around in Brooklyn even though Kyrie is gone? Your days of attempting to win a title with the Nets are over. Just not going to happen. You have to show him that you are trying to improve the roster. And yes, trading Kyrie Irving doesn't improve the roster here. For the health of the franchise, I think they're in a better place now. Whatever Kevin Durant is feeling right now, it is not a watermelon sugar high. As he finds out over the course of the weekend that his hopes of winning a championship in Brooklyn have taken a massive, massive hit. Kyrie Irving, now a Dallas Maverick. So what's next 
For the Slim Reaper, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And this is not an easy question to answer, Harry, because as much as we can sit here and look around and say, well, you know, uh, obviously the, the Nets need to figure out a way to surround KD with enough. It's not that simple. It's not like you just wake up one day, roll out of bed, open up your phone. This isn't fantasy basketball. This isn't 2K where you can just sit there and put a trade together. Trades in the NBA are complicated. It's hard for me to find a path that gets the Nets to get what they need for KD. So I'm looking around thinking, if I'm KD, I'm screwed. If I'm the Nets, I'm up a creek, and all of this is blown up in my face. Well, I think if I'm if I'm Joe Sy, the owner of the, of the Nets, or if I'm Sean Marks, the general manager, I'm saying to myself, even though it might be a steep hill to climb, I still have to go out there and try to make it seem like I'm doing everything in my power to to get this team better for Kevin Durant. Because I think if it, you do anything less, it's going to trigger more things in Kevin Durant's mind to say, you know what, I got to get the hell out of here. But when you, when you look at it, who's on the market, even before this whole Kyrie thing went out and uh, went down, and you looked at people that potentially the Lakers could probably possibly trade for it's just not people on the market like that or people I would say that you know a lot of these NBA teams who feel like they're one or two a few players away that they can just go get that's bona fide in that manner so it's going to be a steep hill to climb but if I'm Joe Sine I'm Sean Marks I'm going to do everything to show Kevin Durant that I am trying to take the proper steps and looking at them right now being in the fourth seat I don't know how things, I don't know when Kevin Durant's coming back, but right now they got a lot of people hurt. They got Ben Simmons hurt, Seth Curry hurt, Kevin Durant hurt. Can they just get healthy as a ball club so they can put, ben, it, it, it potentially win games? Uh, it's it's wild to me because I keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And, and in fact, this is what Stephen A, I want you to hear what Stephen A said this morning on Get Up. Uh, obviously, Stephen A, an expert in the NBA world, but I want you to listen to specifically because he's being asked what the Nets need to do when it comes to KD. And I think his answer, answer is telling. I'll tell you why after you hear it. The bottom line is is that what you really, really need to do is just to make sure that you send Kevin Durant the message. We're committed to competing for a championship. If you're Sean Marks and you're Josiah, that's what you have to do. You have to figure out a way to make moves that says that to him because you lost his brother. Kyrie Irving is the reason Kevin Durant is in Brooklyn. If it wasn't for Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant would be a New York Nick. And that's the bottom line. And so now they got to find a way to send the message. Otherwise, you got to make sure that when you're on that phone, you get a significantly better deal for Kevin Durant that you ever thought about getting for Kyrie Irving. Because Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith can play a pick, first-round pick, couple additional second-round picks. All of that's fine. Kevin Durant is worth far more than that okay. if you're going to let him go. So here's the, the hard part about it. What – Stephen A is saying here, and it makes a ton of sense, is you got to make sure KD knows you're committed to winning. My very specific follow-up question to that is, how? Like, you can be committed all day long, but what are you going to be able to do about it? Like, you're going to have to look him in the eye and say, trust me, we are going to do the right things, even though there's not a damn thing we can do about it right now. Well, I'm saying, like, it's, I know it's, I know it's going to be hard to be able to show him but you show him by trying to, you know, figure things out, Fitz. I mean, it, even though you might not be able to get it done, but you can try to see if you can get some things done. If they don't go through, they just don't go through. You can't, you know, fit a, a round peg through a square hole or, or a square peg through a round hole. Like, you, you got to try to figure, figure out what you can do and what moves you can make. And if they're, they're impossible to make, 
you're still showing that you're trying to make moves for this ball club to be better on the championship level that Kevin Durant is going to demand. I guess the the mindset for me maybe is like you got to make sure he's he's aware of the conversations you're having so he knows you're trying to hit home runs even though you don't have the equity. Plus, he knows basketball well enough yeah. to know that it's a complication to just go out and trade. And to that end, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski echoed sort of the sentiment of what we're talking about specifically when Woj was on Get Up and was asked about uh, the the opportunity opportunity to make this roster better. Brooklyn has an uphill battle here between now and Thursday's trade deadline. This is not a buyer's market. There are there are any number of contenders just like Brooklyn who want to improve. There aren't a lot of sellers and the asking price for those sellers and the players they have is really steep. And so this is a challenge for Sean Marks uh, and the Nets, uh, but you know they've got to get out here in the next three or four days until that Thursday 3 p.m. trade trade deadline and exhaust every possibility uh, around Kevin Durant. There's a, a an interesting thought process here. Uh, mm-hmm. Hear me out, Harry. It's Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. It, these trades are so complicated. The Nets have to do one thing right now, which is figure out what they're doing next. But how do you, to, to echo what Woj was just talking about, how do you try and go out there and wade the waters of figuring out what you can bring in to help KD when at the same time he could come in and just say, guys, I don't want to be a part of this. And then you might actually be wading the waters to try and figure out how to let KD go. Like The, the Nets are stuck in this weird in-between and navigating a short time frame while they do it. I mean, it's it's like that sometimes, though. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's that's the that's the gamble that you make when you decide that you want to bring a Kevin Durant, you want to bring a Kyrie Irving, and also they traded for James Harden. That that's the gamble and that's the risk that you take when you want to do it that way, more so than building your team out. Now, rightfully so, because Kevin Durant is a top three basketball player in the world of me. You know, Kyrie Irving is a top ten player in the world of me, and then at the time, James Harden, he was about a top fifteen player in the world. So you're banking on three guys that have done it on the biggest stage and within two of them winning an a NBA championship and James Harden going to an NBA championship, uh, NBA championship with Oklahoma City Thunder when he was the sixth man at that time. So you're, you were banking, if you were Josiah and Sean Marks, on you know it not being a complete disaster, in which it was the last four years. Right, This team has, has had one playoff win in the last four years. If you was to tell me if I had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on my team and we're going to win one playoff series and in 2020, was it 21, last year in the playoffs, you were the only team that got swept in the playoffs with those two guys, I would have lost all my money betting against that. I, I guess your sales pitch, and maybe in my mind it's oversimplified, your best sales pitch to KD right now if you're the Nets is to go in and lay everything out very factually. Here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. I can't do anything about it in the next four days, but I can make sure that we're putting the right systems and processes in place to make sure that we make the most of this roster, not just for the next three months, four months, five months, but for the next three years, right? Because there is this spot where like they're in bed together at this point. KD and the Nets need each other to go out there and win, at least in theory in my mind. So maybe by going out there, and, and look, you know this as a former athlete, but certainly if everybody's coming in, if your coaches are coming in, if the GM's coming in and saying, hey, here's the planet quarterback you as a wide receiver can nod your head and say okay I have an understanding right now it's more important than ever that they be communicating with KD in a way that every single second of every single day he has an understanding because if you lose KD you are absolutely done for the foreseeable future and and here's the weird part for me a part of me uh, if I'm Kevin Durant I'm saying I got to get the hell out of here any way possible 
right? I need to try to see what I can do. But the, the, the other half of me is saying that, okay, KD made this decision. Does he stay here and try to prove that he can get things done because he made that decision? Or he just say, you know what, I'm throwing the white towel in, trade me to Phoenix because that's one of the places I want to go in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, every single minute of every day between now and the trade deadline on Thursday, we're going to have one side eye looking over to try and figure out what's going on with the Nets either because they're adding pieces or because they're sending the largest piece possibly in the NBA away to somebody else. What I know is we'll keep you updated on it, and we've got a lot more to break down over the course of the show. But it's obviously Super Bowl week. I cannot believe we've gotten this far into the show and we haven't even said the words Super Bowl. So, Super Bowl week, and there is one person being wildly disrespected. We'll tell you about it uh, next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hanging out with Louisville Hall of Famer Harry Douglas. Say it one more time again. Louisville Hall of Famer oh, Harry my, Douglas. My bad, Evan. I'm just putting some respect. I'm, down, I'm not doing this right, Harry. I'm just putting some respect on your name. Oh, you gotta use a K. Respect. That's why I care. That's what I did. Respect. The respect. Put some I, respect. I don't know why it doesn't work right for me, but uh, you know, I'm gonna keep trying. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. These are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities we got right in front of us in our hands. So what are you going to do? Dies for the far front pylon! Touchdown! He's going to score! Jalen Hurts! If we control the things we can, we damn good. Sheds a tackle on the right sideline, 10! Pack your bags. We're going to the Super Bowl. We are, and we cannot wait. Yes, Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Mavericks, and we've got a lot to break down, including this beat. Look at, look at HD. HD's getting like, what do we like? How is it that when he does this, it looks so good, and when I do it, it looks so old and white? I, I don't know. Uh, watch us in the ESPN app, and you'll see exactly what's happening. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We will get back to the NBA blockbuster trade news. Obviously, a lot to break down there, but it is Super Bowl week, and we've got some thoughts on that as well. So we're going to let our wolf back grow by one as we are joined now by Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer, host of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast. All right, Bill, uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm just, you know, hanging around, cleaning the house, doing all the little things that, you know, I like to do, and uh, having a nice little Sunday. And then I look over, and, and our buddy Alan Hahn is tweeting out, and I'm like, why is, why is Hahn tweeting out? Because I realize why he is doing that. The tweet, the NFL is so big, a flag football all-star game is holding up ESPN coverage of Nick and Sixers, and the flag football game is available on ABC as well. Ultimate Flex. You in on the Pro Bowl delaying the the, uh, the Knicks game there, Bill? I mean, I'll tell you what. At first I was like, eh, am I really going to care about this? This is really that exciting. I know I, I want to be a company man. I'm going to say I put the Pro Bowl on and maybe did other stuff in years past. Maybe I wasn't paying super close attention. But then the end of the game, Peyton Manning's furious because the rules are being broken. Tyreek Hill's getting laid out at the goal line. Like, it actually got kind of interesting there at the end. So I feel like it was a step in the right direction at the very I, least. I agree with you, too. I was, I, I was tuned in. Mesmerized. And, 
I think I enjoy Peyton Manning being upset at the end more so than any. <laughs> oh yeah, he was fired up. He did not want to lose to Eli Manning, his brother, because he know he's going to have to hear that all season long. But Bill, I want to touch on the get, get into the Super Bowl, and you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? This off season when they lost Tyreek Hill, it seemed they, they they got a lot of disrespect, right? A lot of people say they probably wouldn't make the playoffs, they wouldn't be able to contend for a Super Bowl, or even make the AFC Championship game. They are they are now here. Why do they seem to mm-hmm. still be getting disrespected? You know, I feel like they've been so good and so consistent for the entirety of Patrick Mahomes' tenure that I feel like people get bored. You know, I feel like we could have said every year for the past five years, if you're going to pick one quarterback to start a franchise with, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. From the moment he stepped on the field, it was 2018, right, where it was five years ago, where he's been that guy at that level pretty much. Some slight variations here and there, but been that guy for five years. The Chiefs have been to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl each of those five seasons. Patrick Mahomes still hasn't played a road playoff game. That's how good he's been in the regular season. So I think people just get bored. I think they want to see the new thing come through. Last year, of course, it was the Bills coming so close. It was going to be the Bills moment. And then maybe the Bengals and Joe Burrow were going to usurp them. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're the standard. And I think... We have to give them some credit, right? I mean, they're so consistent and so reliably good that I think we take them for granted. I think in this process, too, we're talking to Bill Barnwell on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sometimes I think we take coaching for granted, too. And I'm going to give you a a stat here that really stood out to me. Uh, Coaches that have been in the Super Bowl before, coaching against first-time Super Bowl coaches, are 16 and 11. All right, 16 times they've won, 11 times they've lost. What difference does experience make in your mind for Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni in this matchup as a head coach? I think it means less to me than it would normally because of how Nick Sirianni coaches. You're killing my point, though. Bill, Bill, I really thought I had a home run here. (laughs) Now you're making me walk it back. Go on, go on, my friend. You set me up for a good point, though. (laughs) Nick Sirianni coaches with no fear. He coaches like they I'm, I'm being facetious here. They pulled a guy off the street in Philly who was playing Madden and said, you know, co- coach a game against Andy Reid, that guy you were cursing out a decade ago when he got fired by the Eagles. Um, he coaches like he's going to go for and fourth down. That's going to change how they play on third down, on second down, on first down. He trusts his players. He, he you know, has confidence in that roster. And he should. This is a, a great football team. So, uh, you know, I feel like, if it were a different kind of coach, I would absolutely agree. But I think that Sirianni is going to come into this game thinking, I got to coach the same way I coached during the regular season, much like Doug Peterson, a first-time Super Bowl head coach, did against Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl a few years ago. And you remember how that one turned out for the Philadelphia Eagles? <sighs> you know what? I'm never, I'm never saving a nugget for Bill again. He's just <laughs> all over my dreams. All over my dreams. Go ahead, Harry. Hey, Bill, we know about the, the two quarterbacks in this game. The first time in, in, in history that two black quarterbacks will be starting in the Super Bowl against one another, which is phenomenal. Um, ha- very, very happy about that. But outside of the quarterbacks, what matchups are, are you looking forward to in this game? Ooh, I mean, there's so many. This is a really fascinating matchup uh, in terms of you have a great offensive line versus a great defensive line. I, I think you start there. I start with Hassan Reddick, right? I mean, that guy's been blowing up teams the past few weeks of the season. He's been one of the best pass rushers in football for three years now. And he gets Andrew Wiley, who I would say is the weak spot 
on this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. And we don't have to go too far back. Go back two years to the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Bucks, And you saw what happened to Patrick Mahomes that game. He was incredible, but he was running for his life the entire game. Bucks blew that out. This is a much better offensive line than the line the Chiefs had in that game. But the Eagles had 15 more sacks than anybody else in football during the regular season. They're just on a different level with their pass rush. So I think that, to me, is where this starts. If the Chiefs can't block up front against the best defensive line in football, it's going to be a long day for Kansas City. What do you do if you can't block up front? Like, if you're just getting your ass whooped by their defensive front, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, you can pray. Okay. That, that is as one, one tactic I re- would recommend. There's lots of things you can do. I mean, you can run the ball. You can try to run the ball to the side on the pass rush. You can get the ball out quick, play quick game. You can run screens, which some teams try. The Eagles are a good team at stopping screens. You can use the jet sweep, which I think is a, a way Andy Reid slowed down the Niners pass rush earlier this season. But at the end of the day, you have to do something. Like You, you can't spend all day not blocking them. You can give them help. You can maybe go to jumbo sets. They've run a lot more two and three tight end sets this year after trading Tyreek Hill. So lots of things you can do. But at some point, if you can't block him, I mean, you could theoretically win, but it's real, real difficult, even with Ooh. Patrick Mahomes. Is it, Bill, is, I, I know this, though. One thing they can't do, they can't be scared, because if they scared, Bill, it's <laughs> Sunday. They might as well go to church, go to Mass. Uh, Don't go out there in that Super Bowl. I, I think the next time Bill and I have a conversation where either of us say scared to each other will be the first time that we, you know, <laughs> it, it feels right. Bill, you want to give us a, I know, never too early, you want to give us your way too early prediction? I know you have days oh. left. You can predict it different on every show and still call yourself a winner too okay good that's what i'll do i lean right now just ever so slightly towards the philadelphia eagles i I just they've been so good this entire season they've had barely any hiccups when they had it's been like a weird game where they they lose like four fumbles or something crazy happens um they're such a deep team such a complete team you know i i think the chiefs are are phenomenal i think they're going to have some big plays in this game but I just feel like the Eagles are the more complete football team on both sides of the football. So uh, unless I see something in the next few days, which may or may not happen, I'm going to lean towards the Chiefs. Or sorry, the Eagles right now. All right. We'll take that pick. We'll we'll add it to the queue and uh, Super Bowl party at my place. Bill, come on over. All right. Bill Barnwell. Check Ooh. out the Bill Barnwell Show podcast. Uh, always appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It is never too early in the Super Bowl week to make you the smartest person in the room. So... Harry's got two people in this game that are absolutely going to make the difference. We'll tell you who they are, why, so you can walk in to your Super Bowl party and be the smartest person in the room from the second you get there. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I'm telling you. I know we got Super Bowl stuff to get into, but Stevie Wonder, it just hits different. Fitz and Harry, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio. You know, the crazy thing is, like, so often when you go in the studio, like, a musician will just play a lick and it becomes a famous thing. And it's just a person that might be playing the guitar that doesn't get credited as a songwriter. They just played the lick. They get their, like, 350 bucks for playing the session and they move on. When you think about what this was, like, Stevie Wonder, the same person that came up with that lick because he did all that stuff himself, also came up with Superstition. I'm just telling you, HD, it's different. Stevie, mm. Ooh, you know, you know my favorite one? Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday. We got to save that, Devin, and just play that every time it's somebody's birthday. Those sweet, sweet vocals. Uh, All right. We've been talking a little bit about the Super Bowl. We got a lot more to get into. And over the course of the week, we have a couple of objectives. One, we're going to to capitalize on every Super Bowl party. We're going to tell you some stories. We're going to figure out what we want to do. Uh, I'm throwing a Super Bowl shindig this weekend. I have decided. So uh, there will be menu conversations. We're going to do all that fun stuff. But also. I I got a confession. I got a confession. What are you going to confess? I don't want to say it too loud because I don't want my wife to hear me. So my wife is doing something for Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Why am I whispering? My wife is doing something for Super Bowl, right? Because we know who wears the pants. That's why you whisper. Just just relax. (laughs) And I I don't know. She hasn't told me yet. Am I supposed to be involved in helping her set up and all that stuff? And I'm not going to bring it up. Because do I want to be involved? No, because I want to watch the Super Bowl on my own. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you just fly on up to Bristol? Well, uh, hard hitting New Britain is ready to host you whatever you want. Like I've, I'll even give you your own TV in your own room, HD. And I, then I hope. Uh, dang, you know what? I forgot my wife listens to the show. Wow. Okay. Uh, Damn. By the way, you are now done. <laughs> now that that that's that's over for you. All right. One thing we what? are gonna make sure of is we're gonna make sure that every day you get a nugget you can only get here. We're gonna make you the smartest person in the room so that when you've had like one too many drinks and somebody's running their mouth about what they see, you can tell them something definitively. You can steal it as your own. All you gotta do is cough from <laughs> Harry after you say it. So it's time to have a little fun with the eye test. There's always stats, metrics, and history to back up an opinion. This is your opinion? It's a fact. But what are Harry's eyes telling him since he played in the NFL? That's the fact! Find out now on The Eye Test. Eye Test. Read time. With Fitz and Harry. All right. So, my guy HD watches more film than anybody I've ever met in my life. And it is time to figure out what you've seen on tape. There are two people in this game that are going to have their hands full. Harry, tell me about the first one. Well, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I got an update, got a text from my wife. She did say, yes, I do need you, and no, you're not whispering. Oh, man. Because uh, she is oh, listening to the show. So, huh. Oh, the queen has spoken. There it is for me. So, uh-huh. uh, first thing I got, I got the Philadelphia Eagles defensively. Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, he's going to be in a bind. Number one, you think about stopping Patrick Mahomes. But in my eyes, I watched the game that these two teams played against each other last year in 2021, and... The Chiefs ran the football very effectively. They ran the ball for over 200 yards and a touchdown. Now, the reason why I'm saying that is because they understood something that they seen defensively. And granted, it's not going to be everybody out there in the Philadelphia Eagles defense that was there last year, but it is a great number of players, right? But the offensive line did a great job of mauling the defensive line of the Eagles in that matchup, also getting to the second level and climbing the linebacker. So not only do you have to stop Patrick Mahomes, I know Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are going to go watch that film from last year and say, you know what? We were committed to the run. We established the run and that also allowed us to be very, very good on offense. Do you think you could just like decide to establish the run though? Because they haven't done a good job of that all year. Can, can a team just well, flip that switch? Educate I think I think they've been able to do it when they needed to do it okay, in football right. games this season. Um, and I do believe they have Pacheco. You got McKinnon. You have uh, is Edward Hilaire. Is he, is he going to be in this matchup? I will check I don't know. and I see I got to look playing. that up, yep. but when you have a number of different guys that can do it within the run game, and then if Kadarius Tony is out there, you can give him little reverses and speed sweeps. That adds to the run game as well. Uh, but it also gives the defense not just one thing to focus on. All right, so that's one area of expertise. Uh, expertise. What's the other one that you're looking for? Somebody else Ooh. that's going to have their hands full. 
I will say the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs. The defensive line, he's going to have a, have a hell of a talk with that D-line because mm-hmm. everything is going to be predicated off of them being able to disrupt things in the run game. The run game for the Philadelphia Eagles is what makes everything go. Uh, the RPO game comes off of it when Miles Sanders goes east and west and is trying to stick his foot in the ground to go north and south or when Jalen Hurts decides he wants to keep the football. I didn't like the way the San Francisco 49ers played um, the, the quarterback. Um, zone read and Nick Bosa trying to play both guys. Either you go attack the mesh point where you know Jalen Hurst is sticking that ball in the belly of the running back and you go blow it up or you pick one guy and have the linebacker scrape off and get the quarterback. So I think they're going to have to have their hands full, but that defensive line, Chris Jones, uh, those guys are going to have to be very disruptive in stopping that run game from getting going. You know, everything you just said about the 49ers reminds me of the point we have to continually make. I know that they were shorthanded to quarterback, but their defense got their butts kicked. I mean, they just did. butts kicked. And you're right. Like, there was this game plan that I thought was at best curious for Bosa, especially for Tamiko Ryan, somebody we have a lot of respect for on this show, right? Like, mm-hmm. it felt like they really got their butts kicked. I wonder how much Spags is looking at that film right now and saying, whatever we do, don't do that, right? It shows you the trick that this RPO with uh, Jalen Hurts and the way they approach offense, it shows you how tricky it is. It's sort of the film for the next generation of quarterbacks, but man, defense is going to have to figure out quickly how to bridge that gap and catch up. Well, also, you look at the linebackers for Kansas City, the Chiefs. We've seen what it did to, you know, the linebackers of San Francisco had those guys hesitant. And once you're hesitant, you're going to miss that tackle, right? I think these guys are going to have to play uh, more instinctively and getting downhill and going uh, uh, east and west to stop the run game and, and, and also the quarterback. So let's see if they're, if they're able to do it. You talk about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Those guys are going to have a tough job on Sunday. Yeah, that's a little bit of the eye test there. A couple of things to look for. We will bring you smart little nuggets throughout the course of the week to get you ready for the Super Bowl. Now that your wife has texted you, are you now in, in charge of cooking all the food? Like, you're going to have to make the snacks for No, her? it's it's an event that she's having. My wife, like, puts on events and stuff, too, like in our, in our, in our off time. Oh, yeah, so, like an event like, event. She, now I'm supposed to be helping. Uh, well, I'll text you and tell you about all the, the food and alcohol we're having in my, my head. Well, I mean, you know what? That, that, that's important. Happy wife, happy life. Come on now. Like, you huh. you out there, make her smile, buddy. Uh, Don't you dare put that bad stuff out there like that. Uh, <laughs> happy marriage, happy couple, happy life. Oh, speaking of marriages, <laughs> how long will the marriage last in Dallas and was it worth it? One expert joins us next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. and Harry, the podcast. 